The history of the church is around the table. For hundreds of years, this is where the people of Jesus met. The gospel spread from one table to the next, from one home to another, all over a meal. The table is a very ordinary place, so routine and everyday, it is easily overlooked as a place of life-changing community. By setting a table and sharing a meal, we provide the context for which people feel loved, where people feel heard, a place where God's Spirit can move. The practice of eating and drinking is central to the kingdom of God. Jesus ate with the lost. Jesus ate with community. Jesus ate with God. Meals are more than just nourishment. Meals bring people together. Through this shared experience, we see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family. A family not made of blood, but of apprenticeship to Jesus. The Gospel of Luke says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus came eating and drinking. Throughout the story of humanity, God has set a place for humans to eat, and his future kingdom is centered around a feast. Through a shared meal, we can access everything in the kingdom of God. It is our glimpse into eternity. The future of the church is around the table. This week, we celebrated Thanksgiving. How many of you raise your hand in the room if you ate some kind of meal on Thursday on Thanksgiving? Yes, 100%. If you're at home, raise your hands as well. Yes, let me know. Did you eat some kind of meal on Thanksgiving day? Yes. Uh, weird day, right? Like, it's not normal. Like, a lot of us get together with tons of family, but I know this is not the normal uh, year for that. This is 2020, uh, and things are not normal, but... Thanksgiving is still and always has been one of my favorite holidays of the year. Now, it doesn't hurt that my birthday falls on Thanksgiving once every six years, so that's kind of nice. I get that, you know, Brenda gets that too. She's got her birthday the day before mine. But there's something about other holidays. I don't know about you, but sometimes Christmas or other ones, like there can be this big buildup and then kind of a letdown if like you, you felt like, oh, I didn't do a good job buying the right gift for someone or it didn't fit or I don't know, but it's about Thanksgiving. For me, at least personally, it's like there's just there's low stress, low pressure, right, to make it perfect. You just, you're hanging out, watching football, hopefully, eating food, playing some games. It's, it's a great day. We were blessed at our Thanksgiving meal. I don't think that's ever happened to me before. We had five kinds of potatoes. Can I get an amen? Like, we had mashed potatoes, garlic mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, cheesy potatoes, and gluten-free mashed potatoes. Amen. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a wonderful day. Um, and so actually we have a slide. I'm really curious. I post this online, but I want you guys to shout this out as well. What do you think is hands down the best? Go ahead and put that slide up there. But not the music. There we go. Uh, what do you think hands down is the best Thanksgiving side dish? Yell it out. Let me hear what I got. Stuffing, stuffing. stuffing. Green beans. Green beans. Green beans or green bean casserole? Gravy. Gravy. Oh. Mashed potatoes. Grapes? Steaks. I like my turkey with a side of steak. Amen. Fried rice. Fried rice. I love it. Eli, bringing it. Anyone else? Day after Thanksgiving. Oh, I love the cranberry sauce, a little turkey, swine heat, uh, Hawaiian sweet roll, a little stuffing in there. That's a delicious sandwich. But there, there's something about sharing a meal together that is just, it's something sacred. You're, you've got good friends, you've got good food. Uh, there, there, there's something holy about that. 
What I love about Mosaic and, and about being a pastor of, of a church of 100, 130 people is most people that are part of Mosaic, most people in the room watching online, I've shared a meal with you at some time or another. Uh, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. I think that's the way church is supposed to be. That as your shepherd, you get a chance to share some kind of meal, even if it's after church and, and Chipotle, sometimes we cater in pre-COVID or whatever that might be, to, to share a meal with each other at some point. And when Jesus, our rabbi, our, our teacher, when he wanted to create a symbol that we would remember him by, he used the symbol of a meal. If you were asked what makes Jesus different than other religious founders, Really, every other founder of a major religion died old and successful. Moses, Buddha, Muhammad was 61 when he died. In contrast, Jesus died in his mid-30s in agony and shame, but his disciples have been coming together to remember him for 2,000 years. Why is that? Why do we still gather to remember Jesus? Why is he more than just some kind of teacher, but we actually believe he is the Son of God? Well, here, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, your Bible app, you can turn to that. Got your phone out already from checking in online. Uh, Jesus is going to give his disciples the meaning of his death. Luke 22, verse 7 through 19. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and we had given thanks. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why does Jesus reveal his life's mission and his calling here at this Passover dinner? Well, what is this Passover meal? You have to remember, Jesus is not American. Jesus was not a quote-unquote Christian. Jesus was Jewish. He grew up in a Jewish culture in the Roman Empire. And this Passover meal was kind of the highlight of their Jewish faith. It was a reminder of the, the huge event, the number one event of the Old Testament, which was, you know, God had called Abraham out of Babylon to be a, a new family. I'm going to bless you so you can be blessed. And then Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had Judah and his kin, and then you know, over time, the family of Abraham, as they were in Egypt, became slaves for 400 years. You think about that. Our country is only, what, 240, 50 years old? You know, they were in slavery longer than our country's been around. For 400 years, there were slaves in Egypt. And then finally, God delivered them through Moses. But right before that, the final 
plague that God would, would, would inflict on the Egyptians was, was the destroyer would come. And so the, the children of Israel, what they'd have to do is they'd have to sacrifice a lamb, they'd have to paint the blood on the doorposts of their house, and then the destroyer would pass over them and they would be saved. And so God's people, through ups and downs and even into the exile and back, they would remember this significant event. This has been happening for centuries now of, of the Jewish people would remember that God had been their deliverer. Rabbi Jonathan Stacks is the former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, and he gives a really good picture on even today a Jewish family as they celebrate Passover or, or the, the, the cedar, they'd call it. And, uh, and, and here's what he says. We begin the drama by holding up a matzah, the dry unleavened bread, and saying, this is the bread of affliction our ancestors ate in the land of Egypt. Let all who are hungry come and eat. A child, usually the youngest present, then asks a serious questions about why is this night different than all other nights? He says, I used to be puzzled by two features of the evening. The first is the conflict between the two explanations of the unleavened bread. At the beginning of the story, we call it the bread of affliction. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Later on in the evening, though, we speak of it as the bread of freedom. They ate as they were leaving Egypt in such a hurry, they could not wait for the dough to rise. Which is it, I used to wonder, a symbol of oppression or liberty? Surely it could not be both. The other element I found strange was the invitation to others to join us in the eating of our bread of affliction. What kind of hospitality is that, I thought, to ask others to share in our suffering? Unexpectedly, I discovered the answer in Primo Levi's great book, If This Is a Man, the harrowing account of his experiences in Auschwitz during the Holocaust. This is during World War II, 1940s, uh, Nazi Germany. What they did is they captured everyone who disagreed with them, and the Jewish people, and, and many who spoke out, and they put them in these concentration camps and did horrible things to them. According to Levi, the worst time was when the Nazis left in January 1945, fearing the Russian advance. All prisoners who could walk were taken on their brutal death marches. The only people left in the camp were those too ill to move. For 10 days, they were left alone with only scraps of food and fuel. Levi describes how he worked to light a fire and bring some warmth to his fellow prisoners, many of them dying. He then writes, When the broken window was repaired and the stove began to spread its heat, Something seemed to relax in everyone. And at that moment, Toworski, a Franco-Pole of 23 with typhus, proposed to the others that each of them offer a slice of bread to us three who had been working. And so it was agreed. Only a day before, says Levi, this would have been inconceivable. The law of the camp said, eat your own bread, and if you can, that of your neighbor. To do otherwise would have been suicidal. They, they needed to focus on themselves to survive. He says, the offer of sharing bread was the first human gesture that occurred among us. I believe that that moment can be dated as the beginning of the change by which we who had not died slowly changed from prisoners to men again. I'm going to read that again. That was the change by which we who had not died slowly changed from prisoners to men again. Sharing food is the first act through which slaves become free human beings. One who fears tomorrow does not offer his bread to others. But one who is willing to divide his food with a stranger has already shown himself capable of fellowship and faith, the two things from which hope is born. And that is why we begin the Seder by inviting others to join us. That is how we turn affliction into freedom.
That's how we turn our affliction into freedom. Deuteronomy 17, they, they refer to this bread as the bread of our affliction. But on this night, instead of this is the bread of our affliction, Jesus is saying, this is the bread of my affliction. Jesus is telling them, I am the ultimate Moses. This is the ultimate exodus. My death tonight is the climax which all of human history has moved towards. Jesus then took the bread, he broke the bread, and then he gave the bread. In this time period, you gotta remember, people didn't have cutco knives, they didn't have sliced bread. The way they would share is they'd actually tear off a chunk and hand it to the next person. And so at this final meal, there's the bread, there's the wine or the grape juice if you're in a school and you can't have alcohol on premises. But normally there'd be a main course with the Passover deal, Passover dinner. They'd always serve lamb. But this last supper, there's no lamb, there's no main course. How about you? I'm not a vegetarian, and it's not a meal if there's no meat. That's just the way I roll, okay? So what's the deal at this Passover final meal? There's, there's bread, there's wine, but there's no main course. There's no lamb on the table that night because the lamb of God was at the table. John 3.16 tells us that God gave us his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus was broken for us, Isaiah 53.5 says, that by his stripes we can be healed, so we can be blessed in Christ, Ephesians 1.3 says, and received into God's kingdom, Colossians 1.13. Luke 22.20, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. All right, Jesus, why are you talking about blood? And what's with the Passover and, and painting the blood on the doorposts of a house? And Jesus, why, why are you saying this blood, the wine is, is your blood? And, and what's the deal with all that, that blood? Can't, you, like, can't God just forgive us? Like, you ever ask, like, why did Jesus have to die? Couldn't God just say, uh, I forgive you? Like, why did someone have to die? Well, if someone really wrongs you, you kind of have two choices. You can hate and resent them, but then you take that evil kind of inside of you. The other thing is to forgive them. But if you just say to someone like, hey, I forgive you, like, and just doesn't cost you anything, like, then they really didn't harm you much. See, words aren't the currency of forgiveness. Forgiveness means holding back your wrath. You refrain from harming them. You refrain from slandering them. You refrain from getting back at them. Hey, you know what? I'm going to pay them back for what they did to me. And when you hold back your wrath, you hold back your slander, you hold back your revenge, that hurts. That's agony. That's suffering. Either way, you suffer. The currency of forgiveness is nails, blood, and sweat. If you and I as fallible humans can't do this, how in the world could a perfectly just God simply wink at sin and just forgive us? We've wronged him in such deeper ways. There's a debt. He can't just wink it away. If he forgives us, he's going to have to suffer. And so Jesus bore that cost of suffering so that we didn't have to. Why did Jesus choose a meal as a symbol. Because here's the thing, you can, you can look at this bread and be like, that looks like really good bread. I, I bet it is, I haven't tried it yet. Thank you, Rashes, for picking this up for me. You know, at Thanksgiving di dinner, you can look at that and be like, wow, you know, on Instagram, you can look at your friend's meals and say, that's a really good meal. 
but you're not getting any nutritional value. You're not getting personal with it. You need to personally take it in to truly taste and see that it's good. Same with Jesus. You can't just intellectually say, what a good man. I like his teachings. Jesus invites us to take him in in the same way that you take the bread, the juice, and you take it inside of you or you enjoy your Thanksgiving food. You can't just see it from a distance. You have to participate in it. Jesus asks us as his followers, as his Talmudim, as his disciples, his apprentices, to take the radical implications of the cross into every area of our life. And there is something about this meal that connects our story with God's story. As I've been doing more and more research on communion, there's something, actually, I want us to start shifting at Mosaic down the road. Brenda, you can start playing uh, whenever uh, Josh gets you unmuted back there. But when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, I think he's not meaning just the bread and cup. I think he is meaning the whole meal. And something I want us to do more and more, starting in 2021, hopefully as maybe the restrictions get lifted a little bit, is that small groups of people at Mosaic, we will gather together on a regular basis to share a meal, just like they did in their early church, just like Jesus did with his disciples. And as we sit down to invite Jesus to be there at that meal with us, and perhaps we will read this passage of scripture, we'll break bread, we'll share, we'll eat, we'll dine. In the early church, they would have these lavish feasts. I think that sounds a lot better than just a little cracker and a piece of, and, and juice that's prepackaged. Now, this is the age of COVID. And so Kim and Jeremy are gonna pass out some individually packaged. And again, now normally we would do homemade baked communion bread. We have our own recipe that I brought from Colorado, my church in Colorado, and it's really delicious bread. And, we share one loaf. We can't do that now. So we have this individually packaged fish food. That's okay. It works. Uh, the important thing is to remember. And so uh, if you feel comfortable and you'd like to receive communion, they're going to pass it out to you. You can just take that. Again, it's prepackaged. Please take care of your own trash today. But this is the opportunity now to connect our story with God's story. In this meal, to remind ourselves that the same power that raised God from the dead lives inside each and every one of you. Jesus, he, he, he took the bread, he blessed it, he, he broke it, and then he gave it. Today, as we receive communion together, I just want to ask, what do you need to receive from God today? What needs to be broken in your life? Maybe there's a secret sin. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's just something going on, and you're like, God, I need you to break this in my life. And then what do you need just to give over to him? And I'm going to invite the band up, and they're going to play this song. And we're just going to receive this together. Again, at home, I hope that you can join us with some kind of bread or crackers or just whatever it might be. And right now, we can't share in full meals together because of COVID, but you know, someday we will. But also, this is the season of Advent, and Advent means looking ahead with longing. And we look ahead with longing towards Christmas, but we also look ahead with longing towards that day when we can live mask-free, unveiled, sharing food as a community and so let this little piece of cracker and juice be that picture of, of, of that. Someday, as a community, we'll get together uh, and, and share communion. 
Um, does everyone have communion who wants it? All right, uh, I'm just going to walk you through right now. So, sorry, I get the good bread this morning. Thanks, guys. Uh, take the bread out of your little packaging. I'm going to serve the band. It's kind of hard to sing, but... Take a little bit of bread. Jesus said, this bread is a symbol to remind ourselves that Jesus' body really was broken for us, to pay the price that we didn't have to pay so that we could live guilt-free, shame-free with hope and forgiveness and all our welcome at the table. Let's take and eat in celebration of what God has done for us. And in the same way, he took the cup. You can open your little juice cup there. Please don't spill. And he said, this is a reminder that his blood was shed for us. In the, in the Passover, they had to paint that blood over the doorpost of their house, and then the destroyer would pass over them. When Jesus died on the cross, blood was painted on the doorpost of the whole universe. And now all who believe in him can be saved. Let's receive the juice together. I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to lead us in this one final song. And again, during this time, I just really want you to, to let, let's be a time of meditation, of introspection, of prayer, just asking God, God, what do I need to receive from you? God, what needs to be broken in my life? And God, what do I need to give over to you? What do I need to receive? What needs to be broken? What do I need to give to you? Let's pray. God, thank you. You saw us in our mess and unable to save ourselves and and so you sent Jesus, the ultimate Moses, to lead us out of slavery and bondage and addiction and shame and guilt and loneliness into freedom and joy and into a family. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and convicts us. God, right now, as we close our service with this last song, I just pray, everyone in the room and everyone watching online, God, if there's something that we need to receive from you, God, God, that we would just open our hearts and minds to receive that now. Maybe a word of knowledge. Maybe it's just direction in our life. Maybe it's your peace. Maybe it's healing. God, and I pray your Holy Spirit would convict. All of us, we do things and, and we, we, we turn in the wrong way. And, and so we need to, to, to shuva, to, to turn back, to get back on your path, to repent, to confess. So God, I just pray that even, even now during this song, that for, the, for all of us, God, we would just be able to confess those things that we know are just not how you want us to live so that, God, we can get back on your track. And then, God, I pray that if there's things that we need to give over to you, our worry, our anxiety about the future, uh, maybe it's someone in our life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a, a, an adult child, someone who's run far from you and and and... You're just exhausted carrying that. God, I pray that we just give that to you because we can't carry those burdens, but you can, and you are strong, and you are our way maker. Thank you, God, for the gift to continue to meet in together, to receive communion, and 
We anxiously look ahead towards Christmas and we look ahead towards the day when we can actually share meals without masks on and, and when COVID is gone. So God, we just pray for healing and be with us now as we, as we just remember in this last song. Amen. Let's, let's sing this last song together. Why don't you, why don't you stand with me?